right. Good morning, Friendship Church. I'm, gonna, I'm doing something today that you're not supposed to do a couple of times, so just hold on. It's going to be an unconventional day. I am preaching off of my laptop, even though I've never actually practiced preaching off of my laptop, so good morning. <laughs> Let me pray this morning. Lord, be with us. Thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that the Holy Spirit continue to work through this service, Lord, and Holy Spirit work through me. Give me boldness, Lord. Give me clarity of thought, stability of speech, and open the hearts in this room. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, Pastor Adam, for making me speak this morning. <laughs> and thank you to you all for listening. Uh, thank you for my supporters in the audience for helping strengthen me this morning. Um, so we were talking, and Adam was like, do you want me to introduce you? And I thought, no, no, let me introduce myself. That way maybe I can get through some of the nerves, because it's a topic I know about a little, me. So <laughs> I thought, hi, my name is Becky. It's nice to meet you all. Some people call me Pastor Becky, mainly short people. Um, <laughs> My full name, for those of you that think you need to know these things, is Reverend Rebecca Lynn Sizemore Fithin, a.k.a. Mom, to my girls. I have been married to your handsome pastor for nearly 20 years, right there. Yeah, long time, right? 20 years. Um, and I am an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God. And I've been in the ministry for 20 years as well. Go figure that, right? <laughs> I am currently serving as our children's pastor here at Friendship Church. And I am in the running for most thankful that Tommy is here. <laughs> I, I think I'm first place, but there are some people that would fight me on that. So I'm not going to go with it. I'm just going to, I'm in the running. I'm going to share a few things that I'm passionate about so you get to know me. Let's see. Um, I'm passionate about the truth. I'm passionate about world missions. I'm passionate about training the next generation to be lifelong followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm passionate about coffee. <laughs> Although I also regularly drink tea. So, I mean, either one. I also enjoy reading, researching, painting walls, hiking, traveling. Now, that's all you get to know about me this morning. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's enough about me. So now we're going to turn to you. Um, I'm pretty sure you've done this before, probably not in a service with adults, but I'm going to turn the conversation to you now. And what is your name? And on the count of three, y'all will all tell me your names. That's how this works. We're getting to know each other. So what is your name? One, two, three, go. Okay, some of you didn't actually participate, but... It is what it is, so we're talking. It's a conversation. And as conversations go, I'm just going to dive right in. How is the weather outside today? All right. How many times have you entered a conversation not knowing what to say and the weather is mentioned? Like, all the time. It's what we do, right? The phrase out of all phrases that was said to me most when we lived in the, in the Netherlands was, lekker weer, lekker weer, lekker weer, lekker weer, <laughs> which actually means, if you translate it into English, delicious weather. I, 
they use delicious for everything. Every, everything's lecker. Your food's lecker. The weather's lecker. It really just means, like, nice day outside. And for a country that has more than 100 words for rain, a nice day is to be celebrated. I think it's funny, though, that we mention the weather so often, even initiating conversations with it, seeing that storm anxiety affects thousands of people in all countries of all ages. So I did some research, which I told you I like to do. I don't know why. It's, I'm weird. So much so that storm anxiety affects people that in 2018, the National Weather Service started a project to raise awareness of storm anxiety and lessen its effects. They did this by doing things like explaining the difference between a weather watch and a weather warning, or a tornado watch and a tornado warning, and trying to keep people updated on weather situations. Leading this charge was a meteorologist named Rick Smith. Rick was scared of storms as a young boy, and this fear led to research, and research led to, fa to a fascination and a desire to become a meteorologist. This project was also led by over 400 additional meteorologists. The short-term goal of this new project is to make forecasters more aware of the issues of storm anxiety and to help them deal with calls and messages from storm-anxious people, and also to help lessen anxiety through education and tornado safety tips. See, we're learning something new every day right here. Smith said that severe weather phobia results from having direct exposure to being caught in a storm. Have you guys ever been caught in a storm? Yeah. Some of the fears of storm phobia include lack of control, uncertainty, the unknown, death or injury, or loss of possessions. When we ask people what specifically makes them anxious or afraid, they gave some answers that says, my shelter's not good enough. I'm worried I won't be able to get my pets in a safe place. To issues like, I'm afraid the sirens won't wake me up. There's not good enough TV coverage in my area. I'm afraid I will not get enough warning. Some of the most common fears have to do with family. Fears about being separated from family and pets and not being able to contact them. Fears about being responsible for someone else's safety, like new parents or new pet owners. People really care about their pets when it comes to the storms. I don't know, I just read pets like four times and I thought like one sprinkle drops and my dogs are not going outside. So I don't know who these pets are that like to be outside that people are scared because my dogs are scared of the rain. That is for sure. Now hear this, this is what they said. And this is just a normal survey. But at the core of the many fears is they see storms as mysterious and unpredictable. And severe weather makes them feel like they have no control over their situations. I'm going to share something that's a little vulnerable with you. I, too, have experienced storm anxiety. It's true. It all happened because a year or two ago when we were in Austin, a sudden storm hit. And suddenly, softball-sized hail became falling outside of the sky. And I'm not exaggerating. And I am actually prone to exaggeration. These are, it was softball-sized hail. Like, I'm not, it, it was, and it was everywhere. 
and it began to pummel my house and my car. And so I'm looking at it, pummeling my car, and like my car is being destroyed. So what do I do? I run outside and try to put something over my car. It's destroying it. I thought the windows were going to break or something. And so I'm running out with rugs and blankets, and I get hit with this huge hail, and it was just very, very traumatic. But yet my car was destroyed. It looked like cottage cheese. It was horrible. <laughs> and so, and that wasn't it. Two weeks later, I'm in my rental car, because as I said, my car was destroyed. Like, it looked horrible. And so I'm in the rental car. It starts to rain, and guess what? Hail starts to fall from the sky again. It's not softball size. It's just like little. But still, I pull into the gas station, and I'm just gripped with fear. Every time it rained for the next year, my heart was gripped with fear. It got so bad that I was actually studying Revelation last year. And so when I was studying Revelation, I read chapter 16, verse 21. And this is what it says in Revelation chapter 16, 21. There was a terrible hailstorm, and hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of the hailstorm. Y'all, <laughs> I had to stop reading. <laughs> like, I could no longer study Revelation. <laughs> it was so bad. Like, I had to stop reading. I started praying for the rapture. I couldn't handle the thought of this hail. I thought, no, Lord, take me. I, I don't want to. I could not handle it. Mind you that I had already read past dragons, and all sorts of terrifying things that live in the book of Revelation. But yet, the hail is what stopped me. So, it is what it is. So, we're going to enter the word this morning. Lord, I've just as we enter your word, I pray that you make your voice clear. All right. So, our message today is dealing with some men who also had storm anxiety. We will find them. In Matthew 8, 23, they're also in Mark 4, 36, but if you'd like to, you can turn to the book of Matthew, and I'll let you have time. Um, Mark, I'm just going to dip into. Matthew will also be up on the screen for you guys if you don't have time to turn, so we're going to start reading in Matthew 8, 23, and when he, Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by waves. But he, Jesus, was asleep. Mark says he was asleep on a cushion. And they, the disciples, went out and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Or in Mark it says, Do you not care we are perishing? And he said to them, Why are you afraid? O you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And Mark, Jesus says to the sea, Peace, be still. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the wind and the seas obey him? All right. never quite sure how to drink like that. Let's dive into this story. No pun intended. 
These disciples had just witnessed Jesus perform all sorts of miracles with all authority and all power. Their job was to get Jesus to the other side of the sea. Then the storm came. The boat began to take on water, and they could not handle it. The storm anxiety got the best of them. The disciples let their surroundings, and they let their situation affect their faith. They let the things of this world change their hearts and their spirits. They succumbed to fear, and they succumbed to doubt. Now we're going to look at Jesus. Where was Jesus? Jesus was asleep in the stern on a of the boat on a cushion. He was just asleep. He was laying on his pillow, and he was not worried about a thing. Jesus knew where he was going, and Jesus knew who he was. To Jesus, the storm wasn't a problem. The storm was just something he was passing through to get to where he was going. We need to be more like Jesus, right? You always need to be more like Jesus. He was at peace on the pillow, and he projected his peace onto the wind and the waves with peace. Be still. The disciples had Jesus in their boat. However, they did not have him in their hearts. They let fear and anxiety fill their hearts up. But we, when we have Jesus' spirit inside of us, we have the power to change our surroundings, not let our surroundings change us. The storm is just something we are passing through on our way to where he wants us to go. Now you might be saying, woe is me, I am perishing. Jesus, why don't you care? I've taken on too much water. In Mark 4.38, the disciples come to Jesus with the same thing. Remember they said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus takes care of the problem and then addresses the men on the boat saying, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. I was on the boat. I have performed countless miracles. You have seen them. Why are you afraid? All right, so I want us to take note of this. The story of the disciples' little faith in Matthew comes only 16 verses, 16 verses after another man's story of great faith. So we're going to look there. So I'm going to let you turn now to Matthew 8, 5. We're going to find this story for ourselves. Here it goes. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to them, I will come and heal them. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who follow him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, 
Many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. The centurion was a man who understood authority. And not only that, he understood Jesus' authority over all things. Things we think are important or necessary and things that have to happen do not apply to Jesus. The centurion knew Jesus did not need to come to where he was or to where his servant was to heal him. Because Jesus had the authority over all time and all space and all situations. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Jesus said to the centurion, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such great faith. All right. So until we surrender to God's authority, we cannot live in peace. Can't do it. We cannot live in peace, and peace is the goal. The disciples didn't get this. Even after Jesus calmed the storm, they questioned, what sort of man is this? <coughs> that even the winds and the sea obey him. I do not want you to just accept this as true and not actually believe these things and put them in your heart. The centurion understood Jesus' words and authority and had great faith. The winds and the waves understood Jesus' words and authority with peace be still. However, the disciples who heard Jesus' words over and over again had seen his authority and had stopped somewhere along the way. They had stopped applying God's words to their lives and their hearts. Where are you today? Have you stopped hearing the words of, that Jesus is speaking? Do you still have faith? Faith is recognizing the authority and the sovereignty of Jesus Christ above all things and in all situations. And with faith comes peace. We are called as Christians to live in peace. Colossians 3.15 states, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called. Peace is not our option. Peace is our mandate. It is not what we are, it is what we are called to. When we sacrifice peace, we are not trusting God. Peace is our gift. All right, I'm going to get another drink of water because I'm choking or something up here. Sorry, guys. But I'm going to break another cup of rules here. So I'm going to drink the water. And then I'm going to read like nine verses, like in a row. I'm not kidding. Like this is happening. I'm reading nine verses in a row. Like... I took preaching class. I was told not to do this. 
I need you to know that. But it's going to happen because I need you to know that I'm not making this stuff up, that it's actually in the Bible and God said it. Like, it's not me. So here we go. One more drink and then we're going to go. All right. John 16, 33. You don't have to turn here because I said there's a ton of them. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials. So we're going to have trials, but we're going to have peace. 2 Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the peace of the Lord, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace in all times, in every situation. So he's going to give you peace at all times, in every situation. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So when we keep our thoughts on God, we're keeping in perfect peace. It's when we put them away, right, that we're no longer there. Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and, guess what, peace. Because you trust in him, then you will overflow with confident hope. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. The peace that God gives you'll never get from anything or anyone else. The world cannot give that peace. Romans 8, 6, so letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. That is not peace, is it? (laughs) So letting your sinful nature control your minds lead to death, but letting the spirit control your minds leads to life and to peace. And this is the last one, I promise. Psalms 4, 8, in peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord will keep me safe. That may seem like a little overkill, but that wasn't even the bulk of it. Peace is our promise. We will have trials, but peace remains. Through every situation, peace remains. Peace will remain when you trust in God and think on him. Peace cannot come from the world. Being led by your sinful nature leads to death. Letting the spirit control your minds leads to peace. Peace will help you sleep at night. It will. We have trouble sleeping because we don't have peace, right? Peace will help you sleep at night. But the Lord will keep you safe. So let me ask you a question. Do you have peace? Can you lay your head on the cushion and just make it to the other side? Or are you drowning in the storm? Is Jesus not only in your boat but is he in your heart? You have the power through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, to declare peace. The peace from inside of you can exude out. It can change your circumstances and it can change your situations. Do not let the things around you steal your peace. Do not let this world infect your heart and your spirit. Instead, let this world be changed through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. All right, Blake, if you could come up.
I want to send you all out with this charge. Have the faith to submit to the authority of God. Let the peace of the Holy Spirit live within you. Go out as someone that even though you might be taking on water, you know you're going to make it to the other side. Do not wallow in the storm. Go through it and know that you are more than conquerors.